Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. All right, well, it's good to be here. My name's Jeff, and I am the pastor of Student Families. And I haven't been up on this stage in a while, so it's good to be back in the saddle. Um, We are in a series right now. We're talking about the first chapter of the book of Romans, okay? So, and all these things are true, all right? That is uh, the name of this series, and today we're going to look specifically at some things that Paul is saying at the beginning of this letter that kind of let us know what are his priorities when it comes to the way uh, that he approaches ministry. And so it's helpful for us to look at these same things. And so Emilio kicked this off last week, and and we're going to jump into that tonight. Let me pray, and, and we'll just jump right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, Lord, for the, for the band, for worship, and and. Lord, we love you, and thank you for this book uh, that we have to, to learn from, from the Apostle Paul and his writings uh, to the church at Rome. And so, God, we ask you to teach us by your word and your spirit tonight with power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so this book, it's called Romans because Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Now, think about that. In today's context, that would be, you know, what is, what is this place that is kind of the center of culture, the center of of everything, like it might be here writing to a book to the church in New York City or something, for example, right, and saying, hey, this is an incredibly diverse city, uh, there's a lot going on there, it's the center of the known world at the time, and, and Paul is writing to them, and he's got a few things to say, so let's look at the scripture first, from Romans 1, starting in verse 8, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. I am so eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, so I've got three main points to go through tonight, pretty easy. The first one is going to be, are we a people of prayer? Are we a people of prayer? Paul is kind of laying out some of his priorities, things that he thinks are important. And right out of the gate, he comes out and he says, you know what? He says, Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. Paul is a man of prayer. He is constantly praying for this church at Rome. And he says, I pray for them without ceasing. 
And it's not just a friendly little thing that he puts at the beginning of some of his letters, right? If he says that he's praying for them without ceasing, he is doing it. It is something that is on his mind. He is thinking about this church. He is praying for these people. And it's, it's something that he absolutely believes. He knows that even though he has strategies, even though he has passion, even though he has abilities to go and preach, that the real power of what is happening in his life through him is going to become through the power of the Holy Spirit working. Through prayer. Okay? And I think about this. I think of people, and we've talked about this before. Uh, there's a guy named George Mueller who was like a famous guy who started a bunch of orphanages back in, you know, uh, in the last century. And he, he, he made, had all these orphanages that he made in, in England. And he never asked for money. He never raised money. But God provided. And he was an incredible man of prayer. Uh, I was looking up some research on him just this week. And it, it talked about the fact that he had over 5,000 prayers that he saw answered the very day that he prayed them. Now think about that. 5,000 recorded prayers that he prayed that and God answered it that day in his lifetime. Incredible attitude. That's somebody who believes so intently in the one who is the power source for everything that he was trying to do. Um, And there was uh, also recorded one of his, the famous things about him was that he had five different people God had laid on his heart that he was going to be praying for. And so he, he started praying for these people to come to know Jesus. And one of them came to Christ just within a few months. The next two came to Christ in the next 10 years. The, the fourth one came to Christ after 25 years of him praying for him. And then the last one didn't come to Christ. It said that uh, Walt Mueller, I mean, I'm sorry, Charles, George Mueller, right after he died, before his coffin went into the ground the last person that he had been praying for after 68 years finally came to know the Lord at his funeral. Now think about that. I don't say that, that God isn't obligated, right? He's not obligated because we pray for somebody that he is going to do something and that he's going to move. What I'm talking about here is that you've got someone like George Mueller, you've got somebody like Paul who believes so intently in prayer that they're willing to go day after day after day and lift these things up before the Lord. I mean, this is why we do the 610, which is coming up uh, in the month of April. We're going to be praying for Duluth High School, right, for the 610. And it's something that, you know, all of us focusing prayer like a laser beam on one school for one month with one prayer, praying for God to pour out his spirit on that school. And, and it, it's an opportunity for us to be selfless even if we don't go to Duluth. Those of us that don't go there, for us to say, you know what, I don't even go to that school, but I'm going to show up and pray and do the prayer walks. I'm going to sign up for a 30-minute slot. I'm going to pray for God's kingdom to come in this place because part of what we're trying to teach ourselves when we do the 610 is that it's not about me, right? It's about God's kingdom and that I can focus on God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven and that, yeah, we're going to focus on Duluth. In the fall, we're going to do a different school and we're going to keep doing this and lifting it up in prayer. And, and part of the reason that we do this too is to acknowledge we don't have the power. You and I can't save anybody, right? We don't have that much power, but God can move in space and time, and He does move and He does respond in prayer. Now, the second thing that we see so the first one is, are we a people of prayer? The second one is, are we a people of faith? Are we a people of faith, especially when it comes to growing the kingdom. Look what Paul says in the second part. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, 
And then at the bottom he says, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Think about that. He's saying, when I come, I can't wait to come because I know I'm going to encourage you like crazy. I know we're going to be encouraged together. I'm going to reap a harvest among the unbelievers, among the church and the unchurched. Paul is so confident that when he goes, that God has something that he's doing in him, and he has this faith that when I come, when I show up, I'm going to encourage all the believers that are at the church. I'm going to see people grow in their relationship with God. And when I go out into the marketplace, people are going to come to know Jesus. And he knows it's going to happen, and he has a desire to see it happening. Uh, I love the faith that he has. Um, When you get to the bottom of this passage, I think that he really exemplifies that idea that the righteous will live by faith. Okay, that is kind of the main, the, the, the climax of this particular passage, right? He says, the righteous will live by faith. And I think that can have a couple different meanings. One is that, right, obviously it takes faith through our faith and, and through the power of God, his grace, apprehended by faith, we become Christians. But then there's a, an essence where as a believer, you and I are supposed to be living by faith, though, on a daily basis, once you and I know Jesus, we're supposed to live by faith. Now think about that. What does that look like? Do we get up every morning and say, you know, hey, God, what is it you have for me today? How am I going to see God's kingdom work through me? How can I step out in faith today in a way that's radical? How can I step out in faith knowing that you're going to do a work through me? I think Paul woke up every day thinking like that. I think that he woke up saying, you know, How can I be uncomfortable and step out in faith and watch God's power work through me today? How would your life and my life be different if we did that on a regular basis? I mean, think about that. We live such comfortable lives, and sometimes we think, you know what, the whole reason that I'm a Christian is just to live the American dream and just have this all wrapped up. No, God saved us to see his kingdom grow, and he saved us so that we can step out in faith on a regular basis. Um, when was the last time you did that? Think about it. When was the last time you were uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom of God and that you said, you know what, I'm going to step out and see what's going to happen. I mean, that's another thing the 610 gives us an opportunity to step out, you know, and go, hey, I don't know if anything's going to happen, if God's going to show up, but I'm going to step out in faith. And, and thinking about how do we do that, right? How do we challenge ourselves to say, okay, God, how can I be uncomfortable for you and for your kingdom today? So are we people of prayer are we people of faith that we know that if we show up, we're going to be encouraging somebody, that we're going to be the aroma of Christ in that situation? And the last thing is, do we love God's creativity and diversity the way that he does? Right? Let's look at, this. Let's look at the last part of this passage. He said, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. I am so eager to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, it is the power of salvation for all people. Now, he says some things in here that are kind of curious. He says to the, to the Greek and to the barbarian. Well, now, barbarian in, in his context really just means non-Greeks. We had the Greeks who are famous for their philosophy and mathematics and all these things. And, and even the, the Roman culture was so affected by Greek by the Greek culture, but then there was, there was a group of people, Germanic tribes and others as the, as the Roman Empire kept expanding, that they just said, and then there's everybody else, and they called them barbarians. Now, we don't think like Conan the barbarian, it's not like that, it's 
but they were the non-educated. And he even, he even reemphasizes that where he says, the wise and the simple. He means basically the, those that are educated and those that are uneducated. Um, and then he says the Jew first and then the Gentile. We might look at that and say the churched and the unchurched. Okay, those are all the different people that he's talking to. And Rome was an incredibly diverse place, right? It was the center of the world. Like I said, it would be like going to New York City. You think of all of the different cultures that God has created with the incredible diversity that he has. And God's kingdom is supposed to reflect that. And it does reflect that all over the world, right, in a sense. But we want that, we want God's kingdom to be reflected here in this place as well. His this gospel is for all people, all kinds of people. Now, I want us to think about that. God, God has this incredible creativity. He lets these cultures develop over hundreds and even thousands of years. And the amazing diversity that God has in all the different people groups that are around us. And that's the thing. It's around us here as well, right? The world has come to Atlanta. We have so many different uh, groups. So many of you go to schools that are incredibly diverse. Some not as much as others. But a lot of us go to schools like Norcross or Duluth, right, that are very diverse. And you see and interact with all kinds of different people. Now think about that. If God wants this place to look uh, like, to reflect his diversity in his kingdom, let's look around the room. Does this room reflect that? Do we look like the kingdom of God? Um, we're kind of vanilla in here, aren't we? Yeah. We're, we're not exactly reflecting, I think, the incredible diversity and richness of culture that God has created on the earth. And so what do we do about that, right? How do we, how do we reach out to people who are, are different from us? Because you know what? When we don't reflect that incredible, diverse uh, culture and richness that is out there, we are the ones who, who are lesser because of it. The amazing... Uh, the, the diversity that God has put out there is something that we can all benefit from, right? As we interact with people uh, with different skin colors and different cultures than us, different socioeconomics than us, right? When we reach into that and we start to reflect that, um, we benefit from that. And so how do, how do we do that? Um, let me just give you a couple things. One is look for the people that God's put in your path. I'm not saying, oh, you know what? I can't minister to this person right next to me. But I'm going to, you know, go way over there. You, you don't necessarily have to do that. God, but God does put people in your path. So think of who he's put right around you in your spheres of influence that you can reach out to. Um, look around. And what are, so the, the other thing is, what are we going to do about it? Like, that's the question that I have for you. If we don't reflect that diversity, what do you intend to do about it? What can I do about it? What are things we can do just to just to reach out. One thing we can do is be friendly and loving to whoever comes in the doors, right? Whoever comes in here, no matter what they look like, no matter who they are, how are we at just being a friendly environment that can reach out to them and be that that aroma of Christ and be loving towards them when they come in this room, right? We can all do that. And so let's start praying about that. And how how is God gonna do that and help this place reflect the world that he's built around us? All right, so... Those three things, are we a people of prayer, are we a people of faith, do we love the diversity of God's creation, both ethically, ethnically and socioeconomically, do we love people that aren't like us? I mean, these are the things that I want us to think about. Um, while I'm saying that, we do have a, a special announcement tonight. Um, so we have a church, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of a church here that takes... Um, 
a commitment to reflecting God's diversity very seriously. Um, Perimeter Church has actually developed a position, a pastor of redemptive unity, okay, is what they're calling it. And I have an announcement that's awesome, but it's also sad for us, okay? So Jimmy Kim is going to be the new pastor of of Redemptive Unity here at Perimeter Church. That's right. That's right. So Jimmy, why don't you come on up here? So as Jimmy comes up here, let me, I want to, so he is leaving Watershed, though. In order to do that, Jimmy's going to be leaving, yes. See, you were really happy until I told you that part. As, as he comes up, let me, let me read a few things that the D group leaders here have said about Jimmy. So we, we polled, and here's a few things they had to say. Because Jimmy's been our discipleship coordinator for uh, several years, and he's been on Watershed staff for 10 years. So think about that. 10 years of investing in the lives of students at this church. So here's some things they said. Jimmy's been an incredible resource to us. We greatly appreciate his guidance uh, while he was leading a group. And his guidance in delicious restaurants where, where they could meet. So Jimmy's definitely a foodie, guys, if you, if you have questions like that. Um, somebody said, my son was impacted by Jimmy's ministry and the fact that he had a, dif- a different ethnicity. And it propelled him even to engaging with other uh, ethnic groups. And he even went to China in 2017 as a result of this. Jimmy, your teaching of our Reformed doctrine was most impactful. And your preparation each week was very well much noticed. Thank you. Jimmy's an incredible communicator, humble, helpful, hilarious. This is all true. Um, We're so grateful for him and his impact on high schoolers directly and through us. Jimmy's always been the kind of friend and mentor who could meet me where I am, whether I was a student or a leader. And even there, he could still bring out my best humor and hope in Christ. Jimmy's servant heart has been a blessing to my family in big ways and small. He's encouraged me personally on Sunday mornings and as a worship pastor and he has helped taxi my family around uh, when we, the parents, were just simply outnumbered. <laughs> Knowing Jimmy for years now, he's not only been an encouragement to me as a faithful follower of Christ, but also as a loving father to his kids, an example of a godly husband to Shin. So these are some great things about Jimmy. And uh, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your Check new role? Too. Yeah, so uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, thank you for those leaders that sent in those things. Um, so a little bit about what I'm doing. I mean, you already you hit the nail on the head, right? I don't think this is anything new for us as students because you guys interact with the world around us day to day. Um, but it's almost kind of hard to believe that sometimes our parents, grandparents, people around, you know, who may not have uh, students in high school or middle school or in elementary school, uh, it's possible to live in a bubble. And I'm not necessarily here to, to burst that bubble. I'm not here to intentionally diversify places. What I'm doing is like what Paul did. He's just going forward with the gospel. I think the gospel demands that we as a church uh, come to grips with the, the community that we're in. Um, I think it's a false thing to say that, hey, every church needs to be you know, incredibly ethnically diverse or socioeconomically diverse. I do believe that the gospel demands that we effectively reach our community. So when you think about Johns Creek, when you think about Duluth, Peachtree Corners, Norcross, and even going up into, uh, into Lambert District and beyond, like you said, the world's coming to us, and what are we going to do about it as a church? And so that's what my new role will be doing, will be coming alongside uh, different departments throughout the church, uh, still doing things with Watershed and Student Ministries in general, um, but just really helping our leadership of this church as well as um, the, the volunteers and the, the elders and the deacons of the church uh, to really understand and come to, come to grasp what are the most effective ways to reach our community. 
Okay. Yeah, great. Thank you, Jimmy. Absolutely. Let me pray for him. And um, he has the great thing. Jimmy is going to be around the rest yes. of the semester on yeah. Sundays. He's continuing to be here. So it's not. And the other thing is, he's still at our church. So it's not That's like right. he's, we have to say goodbye. Or I am in like the that. annex, though. He's going to be around. I've been so. banished to the annex. I have a feeling you'll be in the atrium pretty often. <laughs> so I think you'll yeah. see him. Uh, so let me pray for him. And then I have some more announcements. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for Jimmy. And Lord, he has been such an incredible, faithful servant. Uh, he has served you well, and, uh, and Lord, we have been the beneficiaries of his many talents uh, over these years, and Lord, thank you for the work that he's done, the investment in our discipleship leaders, and in so many students over the years, and so uh, we are just privileged to, to call him a friend, and, um, and we ask you to bless him in this new role, Lord, that our church would reflect the community around us, and that, that we would be known as a place, Lord, that... Uh, that's diverse as a place that, that reflects that community. So we, we praise you and we love you. In Christ's name, amen. amen.